Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Earning Their Stripes. My name is Danny Martinez, and as always, I am joined by Ethan Badowski and Ian Smith. No long introduction today, I promise, because really there's only one place I want to start. And, and fellas, I actually even prep you for this, but it's a question for both of you. How big were your smiles last week after that interview with Will Stewart? Oh, man. I couldn't, I couldn't ask for a better interview. I mean, he was honest. He was polite. He was down to talk about whatever we had for him. It, it was great. I mean, we couldn't ask for a better first interview. My smile wasn't as big as Ian's. <laughs> I've been waiting for this, man, since the trade, man. I was, like, <laughs> waiting for this day, and I was like, man, I didn't think it was going to happen. And then the whole week started crazy. But, I mean, we made it happen. I'll tell you I'll tell you that much. I was really excited, but I, Ian was way more excited than I was. But no, he was great. That was so awesome. You guys and, absolutely uh, yeah, killed looking, it. I'm looking forward to doing more of that stuff in the future, man. That was that was a great time. He was awesome. Absolutely. And then he and then he dealt the next night or the night of oh, or whatever. Man. Yeah. The next we, night. we might be we might be hearing about that later. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, for a first interview, the guy was the guy was great. Like, we yeah. couldn't have asked for a better prospect, a better personality. He was open. Like, you guys obviously made him feel comfortable. I, I texted you guys while I was driving to work that following day. And I, I told you I have, like, the biggest smile on my face right now about to go see clients. And I just, I couldn't stop smiling. I couldn't stop. And, like, in between clients, like, hopefully, like, the licensing board doesn't hear this. I would pick <laughs> up the radio, like, the thing again to see the podcast. Because, I mean, it was just, it was, it was phenomenal. So hats off to both of you. You appreciate guys that, man. Kicked yeah, Danny, that you, and, that, and he was fantastic. He was fantastic. All right. So we're going to jump in. Uh, we're going to start off with a, a quick segment that we wanted to put into this podcast uh, a few weeks in a row now, but with, with Will coming on and with just a lot of content to talk, we didn't get to it. So Baseball America uh, releases their best tools for all minor league prospects. So this is not just for the Marlins. This is across all organizations, across all levels of affiliates. They release five players that they indicate as the best tool for X and for Y and for Z, right? The Marlins, uh, for the first time in a while, obviously, have their name like laundry list all across these tools. Whether they were selected as one of the five or whether they were honorable mentions. So we want to dive into that really quickly, um, see which ones we agree with, which ones we don't agree with, which ones kind of surprised us. Uh, so so we're going to we're gonna go right into it, all right? And the first one is best defensive infielder, okay? Which, which, which player in the Marlins system, Ian, do you think that obviously goes to? I mean, I agree with the Devers pick, but my ultimate pick would be Bryson Brigman. He's got the potential to play probably the best infield from second and shortstop currently. He's got experience playing both. Um, his arm isn't the same as some of the elite shortstops, but he plays his angles well and he plays the ball well. That I probably think he's the best defensive infielder in a whole organization. Right, because that's actually the, – the selection they got was Devers. Yeah. But as soon as as soon as I read that, that's also who I thought of. And I actually thought of the 2018 rep that – they selected for the Marlins as well, which was Chris Torres, strong infielder upside, even though we've seen some ups and downs with that this year. Yeah, my I mean, question they're giving him full time at shortstop this year, which is quite surprising. Right. Right. What about you, Ethan? Uh yeah, I mean, I love the Devers pick. You know, I definitely think he's the most solid uh position, uh, you know, middle infield guy that we have there. But it, it just goes to show how many guys there are. 
uh, because none of us have even mentioned Isan, and he projects to be really smooth at second base. Uh, so I think that's what's really exciting is all these athletic infielders that are up the middle. Uh, you know, Devers, and like you mentioned, Ian Brigman, he's really, really smooth, and he can probably play both middle infield positions. And there's a lot of guys that should be able to uh, play both middle and field positions. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like Devers is the glove first, going to be hopefully, you know, a gold glove candidate at shortstop, and I think they got it right there. I mean, That's seeing cool. his arm, the last, excuse me, Danny, seeing his arm the last couple of games I saw for Jupiter, it's a lot stronger than I expected to be out of the short, out of shortstop. I mean, he plays the ball well out of the hole for a small guy. I mean, he's, he weighs in, as they say, 155, but – I mean, wet, soaking that's wet. Yeah, that's pushing it. I'm saying 140 max. I mean, I'm I'm about buck 55 myself, and he's smaller than me for sure. So he's definitely he's a only 19. Guy. He's only oh, 19. He's gonna get bigger. That arm's gonna get stronger. And absolutely. And and you guys answered really the follow up there because what I was gonna ask was if we see that his frame and there's some projection into that, if we see that his frame would make him transition from short to second. Some people have an issue with his frame. Some people think he won't have enough of a strong arm. But again, he's 19, right? And it seems like at least what what my answer is lines up with you guys. We can see him adding a little bit of weight, adding a little bit in the weight room, and being able to stick there because, like we've all mentioned, and like Baseball America agrees, the glove is there. Yeah, he's just got to do it. We've been waiting for him to do it, but, I mean, we're still talking about him being 150, 155 soaking wet on a good day, you know? So we can talk about the projectable frame all we want, but he's got to actually put it together. You know, he's got to do it. has to happen. has to happen. All right, so this next one will be a surprise. Best fastball. Who you got, Ethan? I mean, I would have picked Jorge. Okay. Personally, I would have picked Guzman. I mean, he's a flamethrower. He's just got to get it a little more under control. And I guess that's why uh, Baseball America went with the guy they did. But I would go with Jorge. I mean, we he he at least from what I've heard, his fastball lights up the gun more than Sixto's does. But uh, I'm interested to see what you guys have to say. I mean, this is tough for me. I mean, I know the amount of flamethrowers we have in this organization, but I mean, I have to go Jorge as well. I mean, excuse me, George, as I've heard recently that's this true, year, the update by George. Yeah, my bad. So, but um. Yeah, I mean, the effortless 102 that I've seen him in practice is, is dumb. Like, the arm actions are very simple, and he's a huge guy, so it's super easy to throw his gas. Sixto is crazy gas as well, but another guy who's probably got the most arms out in the whole organization, Edward Cabrera. I mean, yeah. the, ball, the ball jumps out of his hand. I've, I've seen 98 on the gun, but it ain't the 102. But for a true fastball, it's, it's nice to see that, man. But again... Guzman probably he's got to take it he's got it's just too much (laughs) it's all going to be it's all going to be about in terms of that fastball it's all going to be about which one can play you know which one can can uh be a piece as a guy that's a starter you know it's Guzman's fastball can light up the radar coming out of the pen uh but I think if you know down the road but I think at the end of the day in a few years when we're looking at who has the best fastball, it's going to be the guy that's using it the most as a starter and that's really effective with it, uh, you know, for six or seven innings a night. And that might ultimately be Jordan Holloway, who we didn't yeah. talk about. Or Sandy. Sandy's still or throwing Sandy. 98. Yeah. Everybody's forgetting that Sandy's throwing 98, 99 every night, and he's 
looks like he's controlling it a little better this year. So, you know, if he keeps controlling that more and more, he can end up having the best basketball. But there's a lot of flamethrowers in this organization right now. We just got to work on the control, which is the next one, right, Danny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next one, control. All right. So here's we were talking about it before we started off. The selection that Baseball America has is Nidert, right? And that makes sense. Just at face value, mm-hmm. Nick Nidert's control is is out of this world, right? And you see it in person. It really does. That's why he always gets, you know, like the Kyle Hendricks comp. And, and he's going to be able to put the ball where he needs to and whatever the case may be. Um, and then he he starts off this year and he has, what, eight walks to seven Ks? And, and we are seeing a shaky start to something that is a strength of his. And, you know, we're not going to read too much into that. Um but yeah, so Nick Nider gets gets best control. Is there anyone else that you think should have been in the Marlins system chosen as that guy? Uh, uh, Yamamoto, maybe. Yeah, Yams was my was my guess as well. I mean, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, he just he keeps that velocity down so much, and he still strikes out a lot of guys because of this deception. I don't know if that's really control as much, but I mean, for the amount that he strikes guys out, considering he doesn't throw that hard. Uh, and he really kind of keeps the walks down with it too. I would think that he's a good candidate, but Nider's start the other night was really kind of concerning. I mean, it's one out of, you know, a, a bundle that we've seen of really, really good starts from him. So it's nothing to absolutely freak out about. But like you mentioned, Danny, I mean, very, very uncharacteristic from him to have a lot of walks. And, and he had a, he got roughed up the other night. He only made it through a third of an inning. Yeah, so that's a little, that's a little scary, but uh he's still you know at the end of the day there's a very good argument for to be made that he's got the best control in the entire organization yep and and i'll add this just because i'm actually looking now at the side i'm looking at the 2018 reps just just for a fun uh point here it's littered with baby-faced aces that we have now up at the pro level so the the best fastball sandy alcantara was on the honorable list um the best control pablo lopez made it as the as the actual one of the five best changeup that's not going to be a, su- a surprise right trevor richards so it's nice oh, to see that development actually take place they actually pinpointed the correct tools and we're seeing it happen now at the major league level and the hope is that with these guys that have the best tools that were selected for this year so again jose devers for best defensive infielder um sixto sanchez for best fastball nick Knighter for best control that, that we eventually see this right we eventually see them develop into what we need to see and and we could be talking about them in, in our major league podcast because they're making a change there uh we'll wrap this up with just honorable mentions uh victor victor mesa Honorable mention for best speed. No surprise there. And then we have best defensive catcher, right? And that's, again, not going to be a surprise with Banfield, who we're going to talk about a little later, too. Yeah, got to talk about him a little bit. And then best defensive outfielder, and that goes to Monte, who we're also going to be speaking about in a little bit. So, again, we see this system, which, listen, I mean, you know, I don't need to tell you this. Three years ago, we wouldn't have had even one honorable mention. And now this yeah. system is littered with not just honorable mentions, but actual selections across the league. So, you know, shout out to Baseball America for always doing this. Some things that we might see a little differently here that we might have put a little differently, but it just is a testament to the growth and the development thus far in the minors and with this developmental team and plan for the rebuild. Definitely, man. I mean, it's it's exciting stuff. Getting the recognition about the prospects since I've been a Marlins fan, and that's probably now 22 years so it's an exciting time and they give us something to talk about 
which Always. is positive. All right. I have, yeah, and I have get, enough, and I have we enough get, time to talk about Marlon's prospects every week. And people actually know who they are. You know, they're actually getting recognition, <laughs> yes. and 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 people know who they are, and it's exciting, and it's a great time, man. It's a great time to be a Marlins fan. Well, I don't know about that, but it's a great time to be a fan of Marlins prospects. That's for sure. <laughs> that's there you go. Hey, there you go. That, that's that's a little better, but it's okay. We got hope. We got hope. We got hope. Yeah. Um, all right. So something that we actually don't get to really talk about is a best, you know, first base prospect oh. or, you know, depth that the first is why Andrew, Andrew Vaughn is such a, a prize right now it. in the upcoming draft. We have to, we have to, <laughs> I know it'll hurt a little bit, but we got, we got to do it. Right. So, so here's the, here's what I have as a question for you, which is, how do we solve that first base dilemma? Because you look through the system, and you know, we're going to bring up some names now, okay? But there's no one that you look at and you say, that's going to be the guy that's at first for the next competitive core of the Marlins. Um, so so whoever wants to take a, a, a dab at it first, how do we solve this dilemma? I'll, I'll start because I think there's a not an – I don't know if it's like a solid, solid, surefire solution – uh, but I think there's a couple guys you can look at with this outfield depth right now, and and you can take them and move them over to first base. And the first guy that comes to mind right away, and I think a lot of people have mentioned this, is uh, Tristan Pompey. Uh, he got off to a really nice start last year in his career in, in GCL and then in Greensboro and in Jupiter. And he struggled a little bit out of the gates and we haven't seen him. I think he went down to extended spring training. He hasn't been in the lineup in Jupiter in in like a week or two. Um, But I think he's a guy that can move right over because he just doesn't have the defensive prowess of some of the other outfield prospects in the system, kind of a weak arm, not really a great defender in the first place. So, you know, he might be a left fielder, but not really, and with the need at first base, I think he's a guy that can slot over. Uh, Yerar Encarnacion, who we've talked about a lot in these first few weeks of the season, uh, is another guy that just kind of a little farther down the outfield depth uh, in the system, even though he's absolutely setting the world on fire at the plate right now. Uh, he just kind of drops down on that outfield depth chart because of uh, defense. And so I think he's a guy that can easily slot in at first base, which is just not that valuable of a defensive position in the first place. So I think those are two guys right now. But I mean, man, we've got nothing out of first base so far. I mean, Alonso's struggling. He's getting on base a good amount. But, oh, Sean Reynolds. What the oh, hell is going on with Sean Reynolds, man? I mean, there is nothing coming out of first base right now, and it's really frustrating to see, and it's it's a problem because it's not something we're getting a lot of production out of at the major league level either. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say, Ian. Uh, I'm, I've been frustrated. I mean, I knew coming into the year how bad our first base situation was. Um, there's been talk about Sean Reynolds and what he can do, but he's got a strike zone the side of Texas and he's, it's, it's tough for him to get the ball. I get a bat on the ball. I mean, it's, he's a huge man and the strike zone just is not, is not his friend and he likes to swing the bat and him being the biggest prospect, our biggest name that we have going forward as a prospect at the first base is is a struggle. Lazar Alonzo is 24 years old at high A go above that. John Silviano at double A in Jacksonville. And I think it's Matt Snyder and Nola. And none of those guys are, are who you look at to be your next major league first baseman in the coming years when the Marlins 
set to be competitive. One guy that has been on my mind this week that I've been mulling pretty hard all week at first base because of how he's been treated in my mind is Austin Dean. Um, I don't see him getting another shot for a few months on the major league level as an outfielder. So this time a NOLA could be special for him to explore first base maybe to see if that's something he could take advantage of in the future. He's under contract for six more, six more years. He's only 25 years old. He's a good prospect, but if he's only going to sit NOLA, there's really, really nothing we can do for him there. So to better his career, that's the, the best my, the best name in my mind to make a, a tra- transition into first base would be Austin Dean. Yeah, I like Dean there because I like what he does at the plate, and I like it better than some of the options that we had at the major league level. I mean, after that first game like where he hit a home run and he had a double or whatever, he had a really nice first game when he came up to the major leagues uh, this year, uh, it kind of – you know, wasn't great after that. And he was only here for what, six games or whatever. So I think to give him another shot to get back to the MLB, like you said, this would be the best option for him. And I think he's a guy that we should try and get back to the MLB uh, because there's just not, you know, what is there in front of him that's any better? Garrett Cooper or Peter O'Brien who couldn't touch the ball when he was up at the major league level. You know, it's just like, what else? What else are we going to do, really? So I think Dean, yeah, is another guy that we could look at as like a short-term replacement at first base. Um, give him a month or a couple months to you know try and make the transition and maybe get back up to the major leagues if he keeps raking. Um, and he's raking, you know, he was really yeah. raking before he got called he up. And then he had a nice, pitching. yeah, and he had a nice night the other night, which we'll talk about later. And um, he, but yeah, I mean, wh- where else do we go? You know, there's just it's just a lack of options, and we're really running out at this point. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's 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 a dilemma because it's it's just a truth. It is what it is. We don't yeah. have those options. I mean, I really do think that it'll eventually be like you guys mentioned, either Pompey or Encar- Encarnacion gets moved over, right? I think Dean is is more mm-hmm. of a short term option, but one of those two guys could be the long term option for a competitive team down the line. Right. Yeah. If Alonzo was a little younger, I look at his numbers and I'm okay with them. If he wasn't 24, turning about to turn 25, and I look at that 17.7 walk rate and his K rate's around 25, which is more than less than half of where Reynolds yeah. is at right now. Okay. Um, I'm okay with that. He's also hit a little bit of pop this year, has two homers. I'm okay with that, but he's 24. Right. He would have to yeah. get quite a few promotions and show himself in the higher affiliates. I'm not sure that we'll ever see it, um, but man, it'd be nice if he did. If not, I'm with you again, Ethan. You move Pompey over. You move Herrera over. Dean can be yeah. something that's short term. And then I know Ethan won't appreciate this, right? But for uh, a little Operation Big Fish, which is what we're calling the free agents that the Marlins know, might spend on I know eventually. Where you're going. <laughs> I want I want one of the Chicago first basemen. I mean, it's risky. It's risky to get Abreu, even though it will make a lot of sense, right? Cuban first baseman. His oh, bat course. should still play around 32, 33, 34, 35 year age seasons. But I mean, are you sure that you won't be okay with Anthony Rizzo coming back home? Danny, Danny, look, <laughs> it's, look, it's not that I'm not okay with it. I would cry real life man tears if Anthony Rizzo signed with the Miami Marlins for multiple reasons, right? One, because he's leaving the Cubs and two, because he's signing with the Marlins and coming home and whatever. 
but it's not it's just not gonna happen <laughs> that's all I mean Abreu Abreu is a great option and I think first base in in free agency is a great option for this team operation big fish if we're gonna do that one of the places that we can do it along with third base or shortstop um I think one of the places we're gonna do it is definitely at first base and Abreu is not a bad option at all and Rizzo would be a great option if he weren't a Cub lifer. I mean, I just think he's just going to end up being with the Cubs forever. And it's not anything the Marlins have to do with it. And I would love to make for them to make a play with Rizzo. It's just, but they I, don't know how realist, I don't know how Rizzo, realistic it is. Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, they're going to be able to pay yeah. them all? They're going to lose someone. I hope, I hope so. I hope so. They're not paying I, I think, everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think the one that they're less likely to lose, and we're getting a little off topic, but it's Rizzo because he's just he just means so much to that team, and I think they'll do a lot to lock him up. But, yeah, if we get the chance, there's no reason not to go after Rizzo. I totally agree with you because he's what? He's 28 or 29 right now, and, and you know, in two or three years, he'll be – in the middle of his prime or towards the back end of it, there's no reason not to go after him. If we can, if, if, the, I, but it's not going to happen anyway. So <laughs> this is the worst time. This is great. It's great. This is tearing my heartstrings to shreds <laughs> because it's, is Rizzo going to leave the Cubs and come to the Marlins or we, you know, it's tearing me in both directions. So, I mean, you but can yeah, look at it like a win-win, you know, wrong. either way yeah, you're good. Exactly. It's a great option. Don't get me wrong. It's a great option for the Marlins. But Abreu, you know, talking about realistic options, Abreu is definitely one of them. I would definitely love to see us go get Jose Abreu because I think he's a very going to be a very valuable bat in a few years still. And he's a, great, he's a good player, and he fills a position of need. And, yeah, I think Operation Big Fish at first base is a great idea, you know, for a long-term solution. But there's – right now, I don't know how many long-term solutions there are in, within the organization. So turning to free agency might be what we have to do. Yep. And quite frankly, I, I'm just messing with you. I think Rizzo's no, going to be a cub forever. I think Rizzo's going to be a cub forever. But but I do think Abreu can make his way here. You know, I, I yeah. think it's always risky. And I, and I will, we'll, we'll get right back to prospects in a second. It's always risky to spend uh, free agency money on older players. But if you're going to spend on something, it's going to be a first baseman with a bat you know i mean that's that's yeah, what you're going to spend sure. on older free agents so we'll see how the market we'll see how the market plans out all right totally so agree. we have we have three segments because today i'm gonna be rolling in my segment as well all right we have ian's segment then ethan's things we love to see and my new segment which i'll give a title to in a second and we'll talk about uh but with the understanding that we have those three to wrap up the show let's talk really quickly about any updates to prospects that you guys might feel like pointing out Right. We have a good five minutes to give to that. Is there anyone that you want to say, this is what I needed to see without spoiling any of our other segments? Um, you know, this is this is the the development that we're looking for. This is the change, whatever the case may be. And I'll let I'll let Ian take it first. Uh, I mean, the change. I mean, I'm still super enjoying what I'm seeing on Magnara Sierra. Uh, he's still tearing the cover off the ball. He's walking more. He's not striking out that often. He's playing good baseball right now in Jacksonville. Another one in Jacksonville is playing great ball is Jordan Milbrath. I talked about him a little bit last week, but he came out through another appearance this week, two, two and a third innings, struck out five. He's still yet to walk anybody this year. He's still yet to give up a run this year. He was acquired last offseason in the Nick Wickren, Nick Wickren trade, and he's looking like a, a talented arm out of the pen as an older prospect, and uh, hopefully we can see this continued 
upward trend from him. And yeah, that's about it for me. I mean, on, on prospect updates, Will Stewart's throwing the best K rate of his career so far. So let's keep that up. And I know Ethan's got some good ones. My my guy this from this week specifically is uh, Mesa. Uh, just you know, the average is still low, and the OB you know the slash line isn't great still. Uh, but we're seeing him slowly work back into you know getting back into his timing and and seeing pitching and seeing the ball well because uh, he's getting on base and and he's hitting the ball. He's making a lot more contact, and he finally had an extra base hit this week. And that's what we had. That's the one thing we've been looking for so far. Was all right. He's getting the ball bat back on the ball. He's making contact. Now we just need to see him uh, get the ball in the gaps and get some show some power. And he did that this week. He had a double the other night. Uh, and I think that's just the start for him. I think we're going to start seeing him drive the ball a little more, get some more doubles, and use his speed maybe even to to get some three baggers. And eventually, I mean, he's going to have to drive one over the fence eventually. So I think Mesa's really – I love what I'm seeing from him. You know, the numbers don't really pop off the page at you so far. But you can tell he's going to be a really, really solid player. And the Marlins so far, that investment that they made in him, uh, it, it looks like it's really going to pay off because I really love what we're seeing from him so far. With me, I won't go too much into his numbers because they're still ridiculous. But Gerard Encarnacion keeps hitting the ball. And what I actually want to bring up is that you had an interesting uh, comp for him, Ethan. And I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I don't recall. You got to. Was it was me. it Ian? I think With, that was me. OK, go for Domingo. it. Ian. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, that was Domingo Santana. I mean, younger earlier in his career he was injured a good a good bit of the time so he had a kind of a slow start to his career so he's kind of hitting his stride right now as an older guy at 26 27 in the majors and that's the type of guys he is Harar and Encarnacion has I mean the numbers in the early years of the prospect I mean early years in the minors are, are similar they have the same type of body they have the same type of game and I think Harar is going to unlock some serious power if this continues this development in this way he's controlling the plate that Santana is going to be a, a nice ceiling for him if he can find that kind of level yeah I'm with you on that that's why I wanted to bring it into the show real quick because yeah, I really thought that it was an interesting it was an interesting comp not one that I think I've seen many people have even though come on really who's talking about her yeah, I mean, on anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I really loved we it are. when you brought it up absolutely yeah I mean you look at the even the K numbers from back in the early days like He's striking out 40% of the time. I mean, and he's turned into a, a pl- everyday MLB player now. I mean, like, you can be somebody with development. I mean, Herrera's 21 years old, and he's starting to find what he can do. And then he, he spent about this amount of time last year in Greensboro and high A, or in full A, and looked horrendous. And for what he's looked like right now in Flynn, it's just it's making me extremely excited to see what he can do if he continues on this upward trend. And you talked about that K rate, Ian. Uh, I just looked it up right now, 26.1%, which you know is, is still a little high. But I'll, I'll take I that mean, all day, man. It was 39% in 16 gre- days in gre- uh, games in Greensboro last year. Uh, or that might have been Jupiter. I don't know. But no, 39% yeah. and then 30, 30%. Oh, this okay. That was uh, Greensboro, and this is in Batavia, was 30%. 
yeah. and he was hitting 284. And now with 261, he's hitting 403. So yeah. or 26.1. Yeah, if you give me 26 percent so. from him, I'm, I'm I'll take that from a lot of guys in this. Oh, system yeah. right and, now. and that's the thing, yeah. like 26 and a pinch here is like oh. above average for the Marlins yeah. system right now. So, so I, I, yeah, I, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Anything. I'm going to give you. Princeton, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could always talk about that too, but uh, yeah, that's for another day. Um, I'll give you my guy real quick, Isan Diaz. Right, I'm gonna keep talking about him. The first day I told you he's my prospect crush, he he have. didn't give me a lot to flirt over um, until recently, right? I, I love yeah. what they're actually doing with him and Monte. Monte, I believe, is hitting off. Isan's hitting second. Um, uh, I I or it might be the opposite way. I'm not sure, but they're hitting no, at the top is, of the order. Is, yeah, you're right. Uh, and and he's up to 220. I understand no one's going to marvel over that, but he was always going to be that low average but high OBP guy, right? Over 300, uh, you know, six, he's bringing in runs. He's hitting for some power, two home runs. I love the fact that I really do believe and I'm buying into the fact that I'm going to see Isan Diaz at Marlins Park sooner rather than later. And I know and that has about, to do with Castro, but I love what I'm seeing from him. And how about this, Danny? Uh, 19.1 K percent. Absolutely. Uh, Talking about case, man, really getting it down. Uh, let's see in triple a last year, 36 games, 29%. He was at 26.7, uh, in his 83 games with Jacksonville last year. And now he's down under 20% and his BABIP is still really low, which means he might just be getting unlucky a lot. Uh, when right. He's It'll stay on the ball, but, uh, you know, he'll come back to the mean, he'll, he'll kind of regress back up towards the mean and, you know, with that walk rate over 10% and and the strikeout percentage is the lowest it's ever been. It's the first time it's under 20% in his career. It's only been 16 games, but still, um, you know, and if his walk rate goes up a little more back to like that mid-teens where we've seen him earlier uh, in his career, his numbers are going to be fine. And he'll be up in September, honestly, if he if he's keeps continuing at this rate, uh, things the ball is going to start landing eventually. So. Yep, and really I will definitely be there. Definitely be there to see him, man. For sure. Place. I I I need that call up. I need that call up. All right. So I wish we had like a drum roll transition to get to our I segments, know, right? but you know we don't. You can just imagine that that's the case. But we're going to go on to Ian's segment. All right. And just as a reminder, Ian chooses a pitcher and a position prospect, has to give us his best case for why that is the guy for the week. Right, has to make be a good lawyer about it, and then we get to see if we agree or we disagree. So, Ian, take it away, good sir. Well, pitcher of the week, guys. I think I'm going to give you somebody that nobody's really talking about until I think we we posted yesterday on the page on Twitter. But Dustin Beggs, he just recently got promoted to New Orleans this week. He's and he threw a gem this weekend. Through seven innings, no runs, no walks, and seven Ks. It's probably the best <laughs> outing of his career at the highest level. He's kind of an older prospect, but He's looked great so far to start this year. He earned a surprising call up. I mean, surprising promotion to New Orleans this week, and he's looking. He looked fan, looked phenomenal this, on Easter Sunday. And uh, if he continues like this, I can possibly see him as a long reliever and on the big league club by the end of this year. He's 25 years old. He's got nasty stuff, a slider that puts people all away. And he's he's my he's my call for pitcher of the week. It was a tough one over a few other guys, but I'm gonna go with Beggs. There's one guy, I wish I had his name on my mind right now, who always comments on anything prospect-wise on any Fish Stripes article, right? And he always brings up Beggs as an example for prospects that deserve um, the hype and deserve the respect, 
but they don't get it because they never made a top 30 list from Pipeline or a top 100 from Baseball America or whatever the case is. Like, there's nothing sexy about Dustin Beggs, except right. he produces. <laughs> you know, he, yeah. he produces. And it isn't just like it's this year. He's produced for a while. Um, and there's a lot of validity to, like, that commenter. I, I wish I remembered his name that says, why don't we talk about a guy like this more often? So I know that at least myself and that gentleman, whatever his name is, will be happy with Ian's selection. In, by his standards, Gallon's start was a little down from – what they we him early. still very solid. Yeah, he only went five and two thirds, but six Ks, two hits, no runs, one walk. I mean, he just keeps he keeps on pitching. He keeps on dealing. One walk to start the year. Stupid. Yeah, that's really nice. <laughs> stupid. Stupid. What we're what we're seeing from Gallon so far is pretty stupid, man. It's really exciting. <laughs> Exciting, yeah. I mean, you just have to describe it like what it is, man. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Ian, position. Position player, another guy not getting talked about, probably won't get talked about, but that's Bubba Hollins. He's the third baseman up in Clinton. Uh, he's had a great week last week. He batted 412, hit three doubles, two homers, scored six runs. He plays type of like a type of Brian Anderson type game up there. Um, he was undrafted in 2017, and he's just produced since coming up here. He had a rough year last year across two levels, but this year he's batting 333 to start the year. He's hitting the ball well. He's got MLB bloodlines. He's the son of former Phillies player Dave Dave Hollins. He's I like. I mean, for what I've seen him, I like what I, I like what I've seen. He's got he's slugging. I think five ninety to start the year. His nice. BABIP is decently high, but it's not abnormal. He's striking out at like only seventeen percent, walking at nine percent. He's having a great start of the year in Clinton and. I could possibly see him in Jupiter here soon. And he's definitely my, my pick of the week for a hitter. I know you want me to pick Mesa here, or my, or definitely, you know, I know who you didn't want me to pick next, but um, <laughs> Bubba Holland's definitely my pick. He's, he deserves the love, and he had a great week, and I'm excited to see if he can keep raking. The only reason I didn't want you to pick Monte is because I wanted to get to talk about him. Of course, why wouldn't you? Boy. Everybody wants to talk about him. Let's have, let's have a big discussion right now about Monte as we move into my segment. Because – God, what a week from him, man. I mean, God, what a week. All right, so let's – let's, Danny, I'm going to take over for a sec if you don't like Take it. over, my <laughs> man. Do it. We're going to move into things we love to see, which is I'm, – I'm going to bring you, you know, just little tidbits from each guy that we really love to see. But let's talk about Monte because what a week. I mean, he, he this past week in his past seven days, 500 batting average, 577 OBP, 818 slugging percentage. Uh, a home run, two doubles, a triple, four walks, and only five strikeouts uh, this past week. Um, and he's got the K rate. He's in the mid-20s, right? And and for him, that's what we wanted to see, you know? We wanted to see him under 30, down in the mid-20s somewhere. Uh, and, and so to see that from him off to a great start, and he's, I mean, he's my guy. That's my guy, you know? He's got all the swag in the world, and he just plays the game the way I love to see it played. And... Uh, Man, it's exciting to see, you know, because we were worried all offseason, Ian. We were talking about how and, – and Danny, I think we mentioned this in the first – you mentioned this in the first episode. We were talking about how with that new approach, we were worried if the power uh, was going to be there because we saw him, you know, making contact and the yeah. average was good in, in Arizona. But I don't think he had know, an extra base hit. Yeah, oh, I, right. I, he had a, only a few, if any. Yeah. So 
um, to see him have a week where he hits a homer, two doubles, three triples, and he doesn't or, or, sorry, a triple, and he doesn't strike out a ton. Man, it's that exciting. We really, really love to see that. So I, I want to get I want you guys to get in here before we move on. And, and, you know, what what do you guys like specifically that I may not have covered about Monte that you're seeing from him so far? Well, I mean, I, I really think you covered it all. I'll just yeah. say this because I really think it's important. And I'm just going to be that guy that brings this part of it. Uh-huh. Um, Monte's a freaking great person. And when you see that from a person and when you meet them and when you talk to them, there's just this added part of you that wants that person to succeed because you know the difference he'll make. Now, listen, there's a bunch of optics with Monte, too. Uh, You know, he's in the Yelich trade. If he kind of saves that trade a little bit, if he becomes the person we need to be, the gold, the gold chain swag, the kindness, there's a bunch of extra things with this guy that you're going to root for anyway. And then, you know, he just decides to hit 500 this week. Yeah. And then he just decides to walk four times. And his numbers across the season, I mean, again, it's still an early season. And if we remember, he didn't start the first few games because he kind of had uh, some things that were bothering him, are still beautiful. On base, 449. Precisely. Right. Yeah. And doing it with elite like outfield defense as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's someone who you can see why they got all the designations of top 100 prospects. You could see why he was targeted by the Marlins. You could see what excited them. And I mean, Ethan, yeah, you're right. I brought that up in the first, in the first episode because it, it was, it was worrisome. You know, we were seeing a lot of yeah. uh, slap hits and, and we didn't, we didn't expect him to be, when the Marlins targeted him, they did not target him to be a slap hitter. Right, yeah. they target him because of these immense tools and because yeah, look of that at the pop. guy. You exactly, look at that guy and thinks things slap hitter. You know, it's like... right, and it's nice to see it come yeah. into play and him him just shutting people up. If we're being honest, right? Like yeah. he's just shutting people For up, sure. and it's a beautiful thing. And you can tell he just grinded this off season because he, you know, he came into Arizona and he had that new approach and he hit for more contact, and then he showed up in in you know in New Orleans, which everybody was saying, you know, why is he going to New Orleans? You should probably be going to Jacksonville, you know, me included to get that K rate down from, from last year and work on things. And then he comes into New Orleans and he's tearing the cover off the ball and like getting on base more. His walk rate is 14.3% right now, which is really nice. And, Really, really exciting start. I mean, I could talk, you know, I could talk about Monte all day and I'm sure we all could, but I mean, man, what an exciting start. Ian, from a, from a really in-depth baseball, baseball perspective, before we move on here, one thing you really like from Monte so far. But not talking about baseball perspective, but another thing about him starting in New Orleans, they, they mm-hmm. said he was starting in New Orleans in early February. So he went about this whole spring knowing he was going to yeah. start there. So I think that put a different mindset in his mind about how he wanted to go about this. And he's coming out on fire and i think that drove him to be the better player knowing they had the confidence in him to start the year in triple a after struggling mightily sometimes last year but from the pure baseball aspect i mean you cover a lot of it him not him striking out 26 percent off leadoff is making me extremely happy he yeah. can see a whirlwind of pitches coming out leadoff position he's walking he's driving the ball and he's not striking out that much and from pure baseball perspective, I'm just extremely happy to see extra base hits. The singles yeah. in, the, in the fall league were worrisome. We heard people, we heard scouts talking about it. it was more worrisome seeing that than him striking out almost, and that's frustrating to know that. So to see him come out this year and completely shut people up, like Danny said, is exciting. 
for sure for sure that that was great man i mean i've been waiting to you know we've mentioned him and everything but i've been re- really waiting to fanboy over yeah we, we yeah we've, we've so, been good at not fanboying about Monte yet so he, he needed this today yeah no, he, he earned it. He earned it with a great week. Absolutely. And and all right, so ne- next thing we love to see uh, from this past week is our boy Will Stewart uh, coming on the podcast, showing out, having a great interview, and then going out and dealing the next night and backing it up. Uh, five innings pitch, six hits, one run. It was only His only run was on a homer, uh, one walk, and seven strikeouts. And just another really nice performance from him, good strikeout, you know, good strikeout numbers in five innings. Uh, and like I said, you know, backing up the talk and, and showing that all that he talked about with his game, you know, he talked about the change up and its effectiveness and how he really feels good where he's at right now. Uh, he, he showed that the other night and with a great performance. And then the third thing we love to see, and this is a guy that we haven't talked about for the, all the wrong reasons, uh, is Will Banfield, even though we should be talking about him because he's one of the more important prospects in the Marlins system right now, uh, but is Banfield. And and a thing he he's gotten off to a really really slow start this season, which has been really concerning for me. But hopefully he's snapping out of it this week because he showed some power this week, boys, and that was really something we love to see. Uh, double, and then he walked off the game with a three run homer uh, this week. And if we can see some power from him, man, and you know what's your typical catcher is not going to hit three ten. You know, they're not going to have the greatest numbers that pop off the page at you, especially these type of defensive catchers. Uh, but if we can see Banfield hitting 252-60 and putting in some work with the power numbers, you know, uh, that that would be really exciting. And that would be something that could be really important to his development. So seeing him have some nice power during the week was really exciting. But whew, has that start? Whew, whew, I did not even, Those numbers are... Oh man, they're frustrating. But good to see, and I I really hope he he snaps out of it because he seems like a really good guy and a guy that's easy to root for. And uh, I hope he can snap out of it here because, like I said, man, he's really important to the process. And he has all the defense in the world, right? We we already all understand yeah. that. And then the other element of that, and this will actually transition into my next segment, is is the age, of course, right? The kid's nineteen. I mean, he's he was drafted as a prep. We know he's young. We know he has to start hitting. We know he has to get out of this funk. And it's just, it's nice to see the power like you brought into play. Uh, The reason that that's going to transition into my segment, my segment's going to be a weekly under the radar candidate. I like looking at the guys that don't get their names, you know, put on the uh, prospect list. I like looking at the guys that aren't tweeted about, aren't spoken about, but produce, right? And, And all of these, all of these prospects that I bring into play will have some variable, variable about them which has led them not to be on a prospect list or led them not to be uh, Twitter famous necessarily. And, and my guy is with age. All right, this is a 23-year-old shortstop prospect. Now, we spoke about a lot of shortstop prospects on today's episode in the beginning. We we're talking about defending. We didn't bring up this guy. Demetrius Sims. If the last name is familiar for you, it's because he is the brother of ex-Dolphins tight end Dion Sims. All right, Demetrius was drafted in the 14th round, 419th. Overall, in 2017, he's currently with Clinton. And he's producing. Now, again, the age is why he doesn't get spoken about. He's a 23-year-old prospect in low A. I understand that he's going to have to promote and he's going to have to be able to develop rather quickly. I understand that he would be a late-blossoming 
um, late blossoming prospect. He was a two sport athlete. He played football. He eventually chose baseball, he said, because it, it was his passion. This is a guy who um, was very talented on on the gridiron, but decided that he was going to go for the diamond because that was the love that he really had. And he's producing. All right. So far, 53 at bats. His slash, 283, 339. So he's getting on base, 472. He's hit two homers. He knows how to work the base, path, the base paths. Nine runs, six RBIs. He's fast. He has already three stolen bases. And the reality is, is that at that age, he has to be producing like this, right? Because if he doesn't, he's just going to end up being a career minor leaguer. He's going to end up being someone that doesn't even get to double A, get to triple A. But he's doing it thus far. So for someone to keep an eye on, add them to the tracker that MLB.com allows you to add players on. My guy for the week is Demetrius Sims. What do you guys think? I like that. I like that. And I really like that slash line. That slash line, you know, if that's over a, a year-long sample – uh, that's a really, really solid player at the major league level, uh, getting on base and showing a lot of power and hitting for a pretty good average too. So yeah, I, I really like that, that projection so far. I mean, off to a really nice start. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Talk There's to a me. ton of guys in that Clinton team right now that just are going on the radar. That's a pretty good roster. If you really look at it on with a bunch of different guys, man, but I, I agree with Sims right here. Nice. You guys are just going nice on me, see? Because it was my introduction to it. That's what it was. (laughs) All righty, guys. So we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Some news for you just to to let you know. Uh, Joe Fasaro, awesome MLB writer for the Marlins, uh, released some footage on Twitter of Sixto Sanchez on the mound. Um, I believe he's still still in Jupiter, right? He's in extended spring and they're, they're, um, you know, he, he was able, he looked flawless. I mean, you don't see, you didn't see a hitch from him. You didn't see any kind of protection with his elbow or anything to that extent. He didn't look like he was compensating for anything. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the footage, but it looked clean. It, he looks healthy. He looks on on track for that call-up um, coming, when was it? In a few weeks, uh, no? May 2nd, I believe. There you go. Yeah, it was supposed to be, I had heard April 26th, which was, yeah. you know, this week, but... Then I think it got pushed back a little bit. And, yeah, I think Ian said May 2nd was the date. Yeah. Ten days, Perfect. I think. Perfect. And then we already hit on Dustin Beggs earlier getting promoted. Dylan Lee also got promoted to AAA. Um, we're also going to be talking next week probably a little bit about promotions and who we might see getting promoted. Um, one of the listeners actually gave us that feedback and something that we could add almost as a, as a podcast segment to see mm-hmm. who our choices are for promotion across different levels. Uh, but with the last two minutes that we have, fellas, anything that we want to add? Well, I, I just want to say in that Sixto, you know, talk, uh, talking about him, did you guys watch the video? Because he looked really sharp. I mean, his pitches were, you know, he had some nice movement on the fastball. The fastball looked good, getting guys to swing and miss. I mean, it was just exciting to see him pitching. You know, it was exciting yeah. to see footage of him because, honestly, to be honest with you guys, I really hadn't seen a ton of footage of him or I didn't really know anything about him at all uh, before he got into the system. Um so it was nice to just see footage of him and looking good, like you said, Danny, you know, yeah. looking healthy and, and the pitches were working and, you know, it's just extended spring. So it's not really the greatest competition, but it's just good to see him back footage. on the mound and throwing. And... Absolutely. His footage last year in the Florida State League was pretty disgusting. I mean, the kid, he, he works the mound like a bulldog and for his size and the way he attacks hitters with the, the stuff he has, it's just super surprising to see. And like, when I was just seeing him throw on the mound the other day, it just it makes me extremely excited to see what kind of kid this can be. 
Like you don't see a hundred miles an hour at a kid his size, especially with that arm talent. Like it's freakish. So I'm excited to see what uh, he can do if he's healthy going in this year in Double A. Absolutely, and when we take away Anthony Rizzo from Ethan's Cubs, it's going to even be more beautiful situation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, fellas, you got to watch yourself, Tim. You got to watch yourself. <laughs> oh man, hey, you have a long drive to get to me, so I think I have some time. I think I have some time. All right, everyone, we appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. This is Danny Martinez, always Ian Smith, Ethan Badowski. Please make appreciate sure to brother. like, of course, of course, and subscribe really anywhere you can find a podcast, Google, iTunes, Apple, Spotify. We will be there. Absolutely. And we can't wait to have y'all back next week. You have a good one. All right, y'all.